take some time in a section of scripture in a letter that Paul wrote to a church in Corinth to talk about what it means for us to be the community that God intends. The kind of community that God wants. The kind of community that God desires, that he planned for, that he hopes that his people will celebrate and enter into. And I don't know about you, but um, I know that when we think about community, when we think about belonging, it can be a, a, a fearful thing. Because maybe in moments in your life you feel like you've been left out. I was reminded of one of my favorite TV shows in this idea of what it means to, to, to be in a group or to be, to also to feel left out. Uh, this week, I, I go running a couple times a week, and I run down Flatbush. And as I'm running down Flatbush, there's a whole bunch of high school students that are walking down Flatbush, and then they, they disperse into different schools. But they generally walk together, and sometimes they'll meet at a cross street. And, they'll, and what, I, what is beautiful about it is there was four or five um, young high school students, and they gathered together, and there were boys, and they got together, and they, they converged at a corner, and then the handshakes started, right? All the handshakes and the high fives, right? And it, it's just beautiful. So I stopped what I was doing. I stopped. And I just celebrated. It was beautiful because they just took a moment that before they dispersed into their different schools, they were doing all these elaborate handshakes. And, and it reminded me that my favorite TV show when I was a kid, one of my favorite TV shows was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, right? And you all remember what the, in the first few moments of the episode when Will would, would, would run into jazz and they do these elaborate handshakes, right? And it was always like taking a few seconds and we'd celebrate and you'd laugh because it was like they were always trying to one-up, right? It was always trying to be one better and one bigger and one longer of this elaborate handshake, right? And I was like, man, I wish I was part of a crew that had that kind of elaborate handshake, right? I wish I was part of a group where if I went, when I stepped into that group that they had this elaborate handshake. We did this, you know, the high fives and the touching feet and all the things. And then, you know, it was just, it was a beautiful thing to watch. But I, I don't know if, about you, but again, when you, when you watch those moments, it's both a beautiful thing to see as these, these, these young men are preparing to enter into their different spaces. They want to take that moment to touch, Right? To remind each other, I see you and I'm with you. But it also can be that reminder that I don't have that. I don't have that space. I don't have that opportunity. When I was in high school, and I actually started in middle school, I moved around a lot, right? And so third grade, from first to third grade, I was in a, one school. And then from fourth to seventh grade, I was in a different school. And then in, in ninth grade, I went to a different school. And then in eleventh grade, I went to a different school. So I constantly was finding myself having to re-up with friends, having to re-up with acquaintances, having to build new friendships and build new group friendships, right? And so I find myself constantly, subtly outside of all the popular groups, right? I never felt like I could quite fit in because I never was around long enough to build some of those deep friendships. I don't know if you can relate. You've watched friends come and go. You've had to move. You've, had, you've been displaced. You've been in the situations and you feel like, I just don't have those deep friendships. I'm, I'm never in those spaces. Again, I loved basketball, right? And I, so I thought basketball was going to be the thing. And so then I moved and I was playing basketball for a year and then I broke my left arm twice in 18 months, right? Wow. Playing basketball on a nine-foot rim doing dunk contests when it was slightly raining and slipping off and doing the same thing twice and falling on my arm. The second time I knew right away what had happened. So I couldn't dribble very well with my left hand. I now still can't dribble with my left hand. So if you ever play ball, I'm just giving you the heads up. That's my weak spot, right? So 
I knew right away that I wasn't going to be as good at basketball. So I got picked for the team because I can shoot, but I can't dribble. So I was always the two guard. I was the shooting guard, but I can't dribble very well, right? So, but I would see the bench a lot. So always, it was always the star, and it was my, one of my closest friends in high school who was always the star athlete, right? And always got the attention from the girls, always got picked for the teams. I remember one time we were in, we were, uh, in high school and we were learning, I don't know if you're in your high school situation, you can remember back in the day, when your high school teacher would get you to learn different sports, right? So you'd do a week playing basketball, you'd do a week doing um, you know, dodgeball, you'd do a week doing whatever. And we did lacrosse once. And, and I mean, I don't know if you ever tried to lacrosse, but it's hard to pick up that ball, right? If you've ever tried with that stick, like to get it and to run with a stick, right? But my friend, he's like this natural athlete. You just pick it up and you start running. We're all like, seriously? <laughs> like we've been doing this for five minutes and you're already an expert. But I never felt like I could fit in. I never felt like I was that good at something where people would rally around me, where I felt like I could, I could be part of that group. And I don't know if you entered into space feeling like that. You feel like you're on the outskirts. You feel like you don't belong. You feel like you don't quite fit in. Like you've never had deep, meaningful friendships because you've had to move around. The problem is that if we have this attitude about how we see ourselves, we also can take this into the church. And unfortunately, we can view the church as just being a space where we gather on a Sunday. And what I want us to understand today about this idea of what the community of God is supposed to be is it's far more powerful and meaningful than sometimes we imagine. To put it plainly, some of us come on Sunday or some of us attend meetings and we miss the power. You might be here Sunday after Sunday. You might go to meeting after meeting and you might actually miss the power that's associated with why we're gathering. And so what we want to talk about today from this text in 1 Corinthians is what it means for us to move from a meeting to a movement. From a meeting to a movement. See, meetings are good. Meeting is the starting place of where relationships are formed. Meetings are where we can start to develop friendships. Meetings are where we can start to learn things, to grow together. But if we reduce what God wants to do to a meeting, we miss the movement of God. We miss the movement that God is trying to build and grow. If we reduce it to one day a week, one meeting, and assume that that's what God intends, we miss some of the power that God wants to do in us and through us in building a community that reflects Jesus. And so I'm going to invite us to stand, as we do again, every week. Because what we're doing in this moment is we're saying, the most important part of what we hear in these next few moments is God's word. And this comes to us from 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 to 23. And it reads this way. Although I am free and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like those under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who are without the law, like those without the law, not being without God's law, but within Christ's law, to win those without the law. 
To the weak I became weak in order to win the weak. I've become all things to all people so that I may, by every possible means, save some. Now I do all this because of the gospel so I may become a partner in its benefit. This is God's word. You may be seated. So how do we build the kind of community that God wants? How do we move from just gathering on a Sunday or going to a meeting towards being the kingdom of God breaking out in New York City? How does that happen? Well, the first thing we need to know is we need to know who I am and why I'm here. Who I am and why I'm here. Or another way of thinking about it is I need to know my purpose and my place. Who I am and why I'm here. You see, the interesting thing about, I love the message. So a really great translation, as Pastor Gus has said a number of times in our Bible studies on Thursdays, if you're studying the scriptures, it's really great. Bible Gateway and other translations help us to understand the fullness of what God is trying to help us understand through the scriptures. And I love the message, a translation by uh, the late Eugene Peterson. It helps us understand just the beauty of what God's trying to communicate. And in the first part of this text, what he talks about is, in in verse 19, he says, of the demands and expectations of everyone. I am free from the demands and expectations of everyone. So, see, when we come into a meeting... The problem is if we don't have, and we're going to go to this in a minute, if I don't keep my bearings in Christ, we're going to describe that in a minute, what happens is I go in with my agenda. I go into a meeting with my agenda, my goals, what I think needs to happen, what I think it ought to look like, what I think ought to be the result. You see, we come in and we think, The other thing is, because of this attitude that goes in, if it's not the way I want, I check out. Right? If if it's not meeting my expectations, then I check out. So I have to recognize that what God is trying to address in this is, it's I need to get rid of the me. If I know who I am, I need to know first that I'm in Christ. It's not my expectations, it's not my plans and my goals and my assumptions, it's God's agenda. What's my place in coming into this space? I need to know that it's this space is for God. It's for God. Who am I? I'm his child and I'm here for him. But the other thing that's equally problematic when when Paul is just trying to describe this idea of the demands and expectations of everyone is I come into a space and I try and fit in. Right? We do we do certain things at Recovery House on Sundays, right? We we take a moment of we take moments of silence. And for some of us that was uncomfortable, that was new, right? There are things we do that are different, right? We're gonna take communion in a few moments. We had the conversation this morning about how we prepare people for communion because maybe you come into this space with a certain assumption about how communion worked. You came in with a previously Catholic experience of assuming that the priest is going to come and and give you the bread and the cup and that's not the way we practice it because we believe that we're all called to partake together. There's not a separation but an inclusion and an invitation. But this idea of I try to fit in 
I need to fit in. Because what happens is I come into a space, if it's a meeting, whatever kind of meeting it is, I, I'm trying to I'm coming into the space and thinking, what do I need in this space to make sure that I'll be accepted? What kind of clothing do I need to wear? How do I need to talk? What are the assumptions and the things that I need to do so that people will accept me? I come into this space and I think I need to be accepted, validated, seen. And so there's this fear, right, that come in. If I come into a meeting space and I don't get that sense of validation, if I don't get that sense of affirmation, if I don't get that sense of notice, then I feel like it's a failure. Like I don't feel like I belong, like I feel like it's not the meeting for me. As Pastor... Um, Pastor Edwin and I were talking about this sense, and again, the idea of the meeting, going into the meeting. Imagine going into an NAAA meeting and not getting a welcome, not getting a hug, not getting noticed in the meeting. How, how would that make us feel? Right? Probably wouldn't go back to that meeting. Right? So we go in with expectations that this needs to happen. If it's really going to be a meeting, if it's really going to be the thing, this needs to happen. I need to fit in. I need to look right. I need to dress right. I need to say the right things. But it, the problem is that if we go in with that expectation that I need to do certain things to be noticed, that I'm captive to those things. I'm captive to the opinions and the perspectives of others. Paul says, I'm not a slave to anyone. I don't go into a space thinking that I need other people to validate who I am as a person. I don't need to go into this meeting to be noticed by other people. I don't need to go into this space to be affirmed by other people. If we go in with those as the soul, as the only expectations, and those things don't happen we are disappointed and we are frustrated. We walk around worrying, not only about is this going to happen, but we wonder because we're going in and we don't, we potentially don't fit in. We don't th think or look or act like other people and then we w wonder what the whispers, right? You get into the spaces where like you, you kind of sit and you're observing and people are looking at you and you're wondering, what are they saying about me? What do they think about me? What are they saying? Do they like me? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to think well of me? And so what happens again is we can think that because of this, I have to project a certain persona. I have to look a certain way. Maybe not even the way that I think I am, but the way that I think they want me to be. And we can do this in church. We can come in and feel like we have to prove something, like I need to be noticed, like I need to be validated. And what happens is, the illustration I was thinking about is like we end up, end up, if we do this, if we go from meeting to meeting, space to space, thinking that I need to be, in, I need to be seen and validated in these spaces, then I end up wearing different masks in different spaces. Right? This is my church mask. And this is how I act and talk in this space. This is my work mask. This is how I act and talk and think in this space. This is my meeting mask. 
This is how I act and talk and think in this space. And I don't know about you, but that can be tiring. Because you think, which mask do I need to wear right now? Right? Which mask do I need to wear? Another way that this is described in, in society today is this idea of code switching. Some of you might understand, right? Black and brown cultures, I've talked about this for generations, and now it's, you know, the rest of the culture is catching up. Code switching. I need to talk a certain way in a certain space so that I'm affirmed. I need to change my lingo in this space so that I don't get myself in trouble. I need to dress a certain way in a certain space so that I don't get myself in trouble. So that I'm validated. And Paul says, no, who are you? You are in Christ. See, because if I keep my bearings in Christ, this is the other part of this, I go into these spaces and I think I need to act a certain way, I need to think a certain way, I need to dress a certain way. It's tiring because I'm captive, I'm bound, I'm a slave to the opinions and desires of other people. But Paul says I'm free of those demands and expectations because I'm in Christ. And so what does that mean? Is It means wherever I am, I am in Christ. I am with Jesus. I am with Jesus. Because it's the cross that qualifies me. It's the cross that validates me. It's the cross that redeems me. It's the cross that changes me. It's the cross that accepts me. It's the cross that draws me in. It's the cross that brings me into relationship with God and into his family. It's not how I dress. It's not where I live. It's not how much money I do or don't have. It's not the color of my skin. I am in Christ. So I come in. Who am I? When I come into a meeting, it's not about where I live, where I grew up, the clothes I have, where I sit, where I work, none of those things are what defines me when I come into this space because what the church ought to be is that we're drawn into this space not because of all the things that ought to drive us into community in other spaces, right? Because we like the same sports teams, because we live in the same neighborhoods, because we grew up in the same town, because we're from the same country, because we speak the same language. No, what the gospel tells us is that we're drawn into relationship with one another because we're in Christ. My bearings are in Jesus. And so it ought to, and it does, this, this Sunday gathering which I know we sometimes take for granted, is a beautiful reflection. If, if, if the average onlooker came into this space and said, why would these people gather together? Young and old, white, black, and brown, and everything in between. All the different things we bring into this space, all of our abilities and capacities and limitations, why would we gather? My hope is we'd say, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. I'm not gathering here because I need to be validated by these people. I'm not coming here because I need to be seen by these people. I'm coming together because we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. And so again, the community of God breaks out. We move from it being a meeting where we just gather on a Sunday, we shake some hands, we hear a word and we leave We go to a meeting during the week. We're reminded of our 12 steps. 
and we leave, we move from that, those things as a foundation towards being a community that demonstrates the love and power of God, when we remember, who am I? Who am I? I am a son or daughter of the living God. And why am I here? To reflect and display Jesus. To be known and loved and accepted and welcomed by Jesus. And so maybe you come into this space today and you don't feel welcome by society or even by our church. I want you to know beyond anything as you come into the space today, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees you. Jesus doesn't care how you look. Jesus doesn't care what you've done. Jesus doesn't care where you live. Jesus wants a relationship with you. And if we as a church want to move from being just a meeting on a Sunday to a movement of God, we need to know who we are and why we're here. And so what does that mean practically? On Sunday, we come for Jesus. We come for Jesus. I'm not coming for the music. I'm not coming for the worship. I'm not coming because I want to just see friends. I'm not coming here just because of the preaching. I'm coming here for Jesus. To see, to anticipate that I'm going to meet him and hear from him. To see glimpses of him. For maybe some of us, it's coming to Jesus. You felt left out. You feel like you don't belong anywhere else. You feel shunned and left out and and looked down on by society. And maybe some of us on Sunday, the invitation today is to start to come to Jesus, to one who loves you deeper and more fully than anyone else. So we rest in who we are. But see, the beauty of this text is that there's this duality, like there's there's a tension Because again, it's this idea, we come into a space and we can't be so angsty and worried about how other people think of us. We rest in who Jesus is and how he sees us. But then Paul transitions. He says, look at again the text. If you have your Bible open or it's to be up on the screen, it says, for though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all. Though I am not a slave to anyone, I have voluntarily made myself a servant to everybody. What? Wait, you just told me to rest and now you're telling me to work. You told me I'm not a slave and now you're telling me to be a slave. I don't, I don't get it. Because again, if I am free in who I am in Jesus, I'm not worried about trying to get because I've already been given. If I rest in who Jesus is and what he's given me, I don't have to scurry and worry about how other people think of me. I can give myself away. For others, because I know what I've been given. What I've been given is Jesus. What I've been given is forgiveness. What I've been given is wholeness. See, clubs and meetings are often just reduced to a gathering where I get where I want. I get what I want. Right? I come into the meeting, I get what I want, and I'm out. Right? Now, there's nothing wrong with the meaning in the sense that, yes, we are going to be blessed. That's a beginning. That's the beginning of where the blessing happens. Yes, it's for us. But if it's just for us, then we've missed the goal. Because the goal is, as a Christ follower, is I'm being blessed so I can be a blessing. 
I'm being blessed so I can be a blessing. So we work. The second part of this, how do we move from being a movement, from a meeting to a movement? We work to know others. We work to know others. Again, cliques and, and meetings and groups often gather because of what they want to get from that space. We come in and say, I want to learn about who is in the space. I want to receive and learn and acknowledge and recognize who's in the space. Relationships are often just reduced to what's in it for me. If you think that's what marriage is supposed to be about, it will let you down. If you think that's about what kids will do, like they will let you down. What are you going to do for me? I mean, first 10 years of your kid's life, forget that. It's like you're just constantly pouring in and pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. And, and again, at its worst, what we can do is we go into a space and we other people, right? If you're not like me, then you're out. So instead of being suspicious of others, we work to know others, to understand their experiences, to understand their differences. You see, we think we know why someone has not come to church until we ask. We think we know why someone is homeless until we ask. We think we understand what has led someone into substance abuse until we ask. We think we know what it's like to be a young person today until we ask. We think we know what it's like to be a woman in the United States until we ask. We think we know what it's like to be elderly or disabled or a minority in this city until we ask. We work to know each other. How do we move from being a meeting to a movement? We lean in. We lean in. You see, when Paul is saying in this text, to the Jews, I became like as a Jew. It's not just that like he did some things so that he could like look kind of like them, so that he could like be, be around them. There was a deep understanding. There was a deep understanding. I want to know deeply what it feels like to be like a Jew or someone not under the law. This was not valid. This was not to say he was going to disobey commands of Scripture. He knew the confines of who he was because he was in Christ, right? I keep my bearings in Jesus. But I want to understand what leads someone to make the decisions that they make. What leads someone to have the lifestyle that they have? What leads someone to do the things that they do? We have to ask questions and lean in. Paul is saying here that we have to, again, because this is the beautiful part. Um, the word winning in the text, we think of it as we're, we're, we're winning them, like they're coming to Jesus, right? We're, they're coming to Jesus. And yes, that's what it is, but we think of it as purely like a transaction. I give you Jesus, you get Jesus. Great, we're done. Right? I speak about Jesus, you come to Jesus, mission accomplished, I'm finished. The word actually means gaining by investing. 
So what we actually get by investing in the relationship is the opportunity to tell them about our hope, but what we're doing is building a relationship with the person. To know them. To know the pressure points in their life. What makes Jesus so appealing to that person? Because I understand their struggle. I understand their situation. I understand who they are. And in so doing, as we're going to transition to the last point, it's, it's not just of this transaction of me telling you about Jesus. It's so I can deepen my understanding of the human experience. I mean, again, the learning in my heart, in my life, being in this church specifically, but being in this city and doing the kind of work I've been doing for the last 10 years is spending time in the pantry and spending time in the breakfast and encouraging the men and women who come into our breakfast on, Sunday, on, on Monday, Tuesday, and Friday morning, particularly Friday morning, and, and thinking like, this isn't about me bringing Jesus into the space just so they can get Jesus. This is equally about me learning from them about what it looks like to have Jesus when you have nothing else. There are men and women in this space this morning who have taught me what it looks like to love Jesus. Because I can easily trust other things. When I'm done with the pantry devotion, I can go home to my nice house. They go back to the street. What does it look like to trust Jesus in that moment? I am learning. We work to know others. Communities built through the hard work of seeking to understand and appreciate the differences in others. And how Jesus has drawn us together. And the invitation to tell people about Jesus because we have built relationship with them. And so we need to work to know, to understand who people are, where they come from, what they're dealing with. And, and again, just as an application, this might change where we sit on Sunday. I, I've had conversations with some of the leaders in the church. <laughs> there's some people that sit in some sides of the church, and there's some people that sit on other sides of the church. Right? This might change how we sit, where we sit. Because I want to know people that are different than me. I want to understand. This might change what we do after church. Because it's not a meeting. We're not coming just to get some of Jesus and then go on our way. What does it look like to linger? To take someone for lunch. To sit at a table. To listen. To receive from. To get to know to be a listening ear. There's a beautiful common prayer that I'll put on, our web, or put on the website as an application, but there's this prayer that's written um, as a collection of, of the historical prayers from church fathers, and it says in the prayer, God, that I might not see, seek so much to be understood, but to understand. At the, end of the, at the end of the prayer, it says, because it is in giving that we receive. It is in dying that we are born to eternal life. So we come into this space. What am I going to get, Jesus? It's Sunday. It's the meeting. What am I going to get? 
What's this going to give me? No, instead it's, what am I going to learn? Maybe through someone. Maybe through someone. The last point about how we move from this idea of being a meeting, starting and just staying in the meeting towards being a movement that God wants to use to break out his love into our, into our city and amongst each other, is we recognize, and it, it's, it's very difficult to understand sort of the context and, and the one way to describe this, but the last verse in this section, verse 23, um, Paul says, now I do all this for the sake, the gospel's sake, that it may become a partaker of it with you. And the best way, be a partner in its benefits. And, and just the way that, and we're going to celebrate this in a moment, but to think about it this way, is when we think about being moving from just being this meeting to a movement, it's we recognize that our blessings are communal. Our blessings are communal. And what this means is, just simply, is that your blessing is bound up in my blessing. Your blessing is bound up in my blessing. So this means if I'm just reducing it to a meaning to what I get, I'm only getting half the blessing. It, like, it, I, there's, this word of partaker means it's like communal. Like the word is, like it has this idea of com communal, like the um, fellowship, deep fellowship and understanding. So when we think about what it looks like to grow and to change, this idea of our blessings together are communal, that it's, it's dependent on us being together to enjoy some of the benefits of the gospel. See, we are so individualistic. Like, it's me and Jesus. I show up at the space. I show up at the meeting. I show up at the church on Sunday. I get my stuff and I leave. And we miss it. No, like, we're meant to be a blessing and receive a blessing by being together. And there's some things that God can only do in us by us being together. By us being together. There are some things we cannot grow in the ways that God wants us to grow by just getting up in the morning, reading our Bibles by ourselves, praying, and then going out and trusting that we're going to change. There are some blessings that just will not grow in fruit, in the way that God wants, without us being together. The community of God is not meant to be one of isolation, of suspicion, of fear, of, of sporadic attendance. We recognize that God wants us to celebrate by coming together. And so I think about this this way, just this idea of what it means for us to be communal. See, when we reduce the fellowship and the encouragement and the blessing to just a meeting, to just one day a week, right? It's like we are still using a dot matrix printer. Remember those printers, yeah. right? If you ever go rent a car or you go into those old spaces, right? I was in LA a couple years ago and there was a dot matrix printer, right? You go, you go into the space like that, right? Those old printers like that will survive the apocalypse because it's still working, right? They have, they find those ribbons somewhere and they still work, right? The loudest printer. It's like you go into whatever, you know, like you go to the HRA space, you go to the old schools and you just see those prints like zzz, zzz, zzz. And it's like, it only can print in black and white, right? And we think that's the way that God wants us to live, right? In black and white. And God's like, I've invented 3D printers. I've invented 3D printers. Have you ever seen one? There are printer. There's a pen now. 
Look it up later. There's a pen where you can actually draw something and it makes a creation. Like it builds this thing by just using the pen. And God's saying, stop thinking like the dot matrix printer about the way you think about your fellowship and your growth. Start thinking like a 3D printer. I want to grow you in all these other ways, which means you need to be around my brothers and sisters. You need to be around so they can show you things. So they can tell you things. So you can be around each other long enough. What pastor years ago told me that a true community is this. When we learn to be around each other long enough to practice the one another's together. You need to be around enough to practice the forgive one another, right? Because if you're not around long enough, we're not going to learn that lesson. Someone's going to do something we don't like. We need to forgive them and we need to keep going, right? Too often it's someone does something I don't like, I'm out. You're done. The community God wants to build is, no, no, now we lean in. Now we lean in. Our blessings are communal. I can't learn long-suffering without you. I can't learn patience without you. I can't learn gentleness without you. I can't learn forgiveness without you. And so if we think it's just about showing up at a meeting and going once a week, we will not learn those deeper lessons. Our blessings are communal. They're communal. 